Hello and welcome to the Aftershock. We join you after a 0-0 draw, which went into penalty kicks against Sporting Kansas City on the road, which was unfortunately a loss for the San Jose Earthquakes. Jamin Moore, Robert Jonas, Alex Morgan, let's get your initial thoughts after the match. Jamin, I'm going to kick it over to you first. What do you think? Quakes go on the road, can't quite pull it off. Well, you know, there there was, I think, an overall decent game plan of how they wanted to come out tonight. Obviously, it didn't surprise any of us that they come out in a very defensive posture for the first half. And then they turn it on in the second half. And the second half, you know, felt like it was pretty decent. And Cade Cowell, honestly, with one of his better performances, he sees Sporting Kansas City on the schedule and he circles it. Uh, because those were a couple of his better performances of the season. Unfortunately, uh, you know, as has been the case throughout the season for him as well, none of those efforts go in the back of the net. Really enjoyed the Jack Skein uh, substitution, and I thought most of the subs who came on, you know, added value. But the problem was it took off two key penalty takers, Jeremy Abobasi and Jamiro Montero. And, you know, when you're coming down against the best penalty uh, keeper, you know, in the history of the league, maybe, uh, you know, up against Nick Romando for sure, you know, one and two right there, you know, again, you know, these, the earthquakes come up short against Tim Melia. How many more times does it have to happen for the coaching staff to learn their lesson about who they keep on the pitch at the end of the game? Damon, but, do, do you really think yeah. that, that different penalty kick takers would have made it past Melia? He guessed right every time he's, he's not letting that ball in the back of the net, Jamin. I don't think <laughs> It matters yeah, if you have we'll, Reno, we'll, Messi. We'll all go around here. But Melia only saved one penalty. The rest of them, he either didn't save or Jules didn't even challenge him. So Melia only saved one tonight. He didn't save three. Let's not crown him, you know, another like three save God like we did 20 in 2020. So, you know, I think everyone can kind of chill. This is on, <laughs> you know, the Quakes for not making them uh, and sending two players who didn't make them against them the last time who both didn't make them this time either robert let's let's get you into the conversation here why don't you set the record straight we had daniel versus timelia i mean how did you see it well they both made one save so uh, i don't know if you can say one goalie <laughs> was any better than the other um but you know J jamin said something there i think is really important uh this team was set up today to play this game close uh to play this game potentially to a draw and it, it kind of played out exactly as lucci planned it uh, you had the return of Carlos Grasso and, and Jamiro Montero into the lineup. You know, Grasso definitely a defensive-minded player. Montero can go both ways, so you know he was able to effectively help on defense, um, and uh, it, it worked. I mean, they weathered the storm, and with uh, Rodriguez making a key goal line block in the beginning of the second half to keep it nil-nil. You know, the Quakes had their opportunities in that last ten minutes with some of the more offensive-minded subs. I thought Nico Shakiris looked great on his touches. Cade flashing some of what uh, you hope he can do in an entire season uh, or maybe at least in one game. Um, and, uh, you know, while they didn't get a, an effective shot on goal, at least they showed that intent, which I, I would say is the game plan. Um, they played well tonight. I think they played well enough to sneak a victory. But, uh, you know, when it comes down to penalties and, uh, yeah, Melia's on the other side flashing those gloves, uh, it's always going to feel a little bit rough. And, and yeah, it, it hurts to know that the same two players that started were the same two players who missed three years ago. That's a kind of a brutal bookend to, to uh, the Quakes playoff experience in, in Kansas City. But, uh, yeah. you know, they, they did a lot of right tonight. The result is not going to go their way.
Alex, I see you shaking your head. I mean, the Quakes had zero total shots in the first half. I mean, what, what are your takeaways from this match? Look, I'm having trouble feeling very sorry for the Quakes. One, because they've already been through this, right? We've all been here before the second time around. At least for me, I think it, it hurts less, you know. And, and secondly, because they're in Sporting Kansas City in a playoff game going against Tim Melia on penalties. That's like trying to invade Russia in the winter. It's just a, a known losing strategy, trying to beat Tim Melia on penalties. I don't think the Quakes could have done much differently at all in that penalty shootout. I think that Tim Melia had them sufficiently psyched out from the get-go. Sure, Ewell blasted his over the bar. I think that's because Tim Melia got in his head again. I don't, I don't think any combination of Quakes penalty takers is, is going to win them that shootout. I think the, the problem goes back a lot further. I don't even think the problem was tonight a lot. I think actually the Quakes played quite well tonight. I think Luchi Gondalas will be very pleased with the way the Quakes played in the 90 minutes tonight. They weathered the storm early on. They started to dictate the game in the second half and they had good chances going forward. And I, I think if they went into extra time, they genuinely would have been better suited to, to win the game. They, they had the momentum, I think, uh, and, and had the legs and had the, the right uh, formation to, to, to take it in extra time. But they knew there wasn't going to be extra time uh, and, and they didn't have the attacking muster to go and win it in, in, in Sporting Kansas City in the 90 minutes. And I, I, I think that was predictable. I think the real problem wasn't tonight. I think the problem was the way they ended the regular season and the fact that they got themselves into an away you know, playing game in Kansas City. I think this one was always going to be an uphill battle. And they, they wanted to avoid this. They should have gone for some wins in that uh, last two months of the regular season. They drew six out of their last eight games of the regular season, Phil. They tied their last four games. They had gotten any one of those to be a win. They wouldn't have been in this situation. They would have been playing a home playoff game right now, and it would have been a completely different outcome. So so I, I, I think the problem was the last, you know, six, eight games, the regular season, Luchi Gonzalez, I think, is going to have to take a long, hard look in the mirror and think about the way that he approached those. I think that they were playing from a, a position of fear. And, uh, uh, you know, that's that's why they got here. That's why it's a 2020 redux, Phil. You know, not sure I completely agree that they were playing out of position of fear. I mean, if you look at the shifts of momentum in the second half, there were definitely some things that the Quakes did that showed some initiative especially with Cade Cal coming on and some of the moves that he made offensively and getting things started for them. And we saw a little bit more uh, offense from the team, you know, further on, of course, as, as you may have noticed, sporting Kansas city definitely took back the momentum in the last like 10 to 15 minutes of the match. And so that kind of like faded away near the end. Um, Jamin, I wanted to kick it back over to you and kind of get your account of how you saw the end of the match. You know, there were some substitutes that Lucci made, um, I'm interested in what your thoughts are in regards to those subs and how the Quakes kind of finished it off and were settling for a draw going in for PKs when uh, we know that there was no opportunity to play extra time. Well, I, I don't think that they were selling for a draw. I think they definitely went for it in regulation, and I know the fans disagree with that, and that's fine. Uh, you know, everyone can have their opinion on this, but I think the uh, the momentum of the game clearly shows if you take a look at any of the momentum meters that are available out there, Sofa Scores got it, Fop Mobs got it, that the Quakes had uh, dominated most of the second half, that they, you know, their um, expected goals, such as they were, pretty much all came in the second half. And, you know, they had opportunities. They had three shots uh, right in front of goal. 
uh, that were all high, were all good quality opportunities, and they didn't put those away. So I don't think that there was ever an intention to play for the draw. Maybe again, we I think we kind of know once it gets on to about the 85th minute or so, you know, Lucci at that point is probably looking to go like, okay, take the point in a normal game. And tonight it was, look, we got to this point. I he's going to think that he had 50-50 chance to win this game. He's going to think that Danielle is as good as Tim Melia is. Yeah, Melia's got the MLS history. Danielle's played in major tournaments in South America, right? And for his part, he was very happy to, to have Danielle go up against Melia. Here's the problem. The Quakes penalty takers are not as good as Sporting Kansas City penalty takers. Johnny Russell goes to the exact same spot every single time, and he is money. He goes to that top corner and he does not miss. Why? Because it's unsavable. You know, Alan Polito tried something cute, didn't come off. But you know, stepping up, everyone's going like, look, Dan Danielle is good, but he's probably not going to stop Alan Polito. But there's nobody that steps up for the Quakes. Maybe Christian Espinosa, maybe that strikes fear in the heart of Tim Melia. Nobody. Now, I think I mean, Jack Sahan. Melia saved Espinosa's last two pens. So I don't, I don't think he strikes any fear at all, Jamin. Yeah, yeah, and, and that might be. In Melia's case, he may not. I think in other cases, you know, he was what? He was six for six in the regular season or whatever it was, five for five. You know, he had a good regular season. He didn't miss, but he he has missed in these situations. And, you know, it's uh, there's just no one in, in, you know, that stepped up that was going to, to, you know, cause a real question for Tim Melia, at least in the mind of Tim Melia. He's very, very confident. Now, you know, Skain caught him by surprise. Um, and even though he dove the right way, Skane told us midweek that he felt if he had the opportunity, he put the ball in his spot, Tim Milley is not going to save it. Guess what? Tim Milley got a hand on it. He didn't save it. Um, and by the way, Carlos Acapo, very good. Uh, loved his, his penalty take, you know, cool as a cucumber. So this, and what I would have liked to have seen, you know, if you're going to take out Montero, you're going to take out Jibo. What I would like to have seen was Trauco. I think Trauco definitely should be taking a penalty in this situation. I would have taken, I would have gone Skane second. I would have gone Trauco third, my, my personal preference and a Capo fourth, given who was on. And I'd have to think a little bit about who I'd want to go fifth, but, um, but that would have been the order I would have gone with. It almost kind of went that way, but the problem was Jackson Ewell took one that, you know, and, and Jackson Ewell's just not a penalty taker. And, I think he wears the captain armband. I think he's thinking, I have to take one. I'm the captain. I have to step up. They figure it's like a badge of courage for a captain. He's got to step up. He ought to be like, yeah, I'm not very good at this, guys. You know, you guys go ahead. Jamie, you know, I'm, I mean, that, that's what you should do. But he's I'm not having quite. fun thinking of all the different configurations in which the Quakes could have lost a penalty shootout against Tim Melia again. I, 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 it, I it think, really I think that, that I'm right there like, with you, Alex. I think that mm -hmm. is like just defeatist thinking. I, I just don't. I just don't think that way. Alex. I, I I do agree. Again, that they both saved, they both saved one up. penalty tonight. They I mean, both keeper the, saved one penalty. I honestly, it's on Jackson Yule for missing the goal and putting it down the middle where it was going to be easily well, savable anyway. I mean, the stat that they read before Jackson Yule step up and, and took his pen. You know, he's made two of his last four. He's now three and five. Yeah. You don't have a guy who's proven to be bad at penalties take a penalty in the shootout. I agree. When, I agree. But I think it. he thinks he has to step up and take one. Well, so does that say something about Jackson? You as a captain, Jamin? Does do, do you think the Quakes need other leaders on the team who 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 fit that role more and, and understand the captain? Leaders? The captain is determined by the players. It's it's there's nothing we you know there's nothing that 
is going to change about the captain situation. If the players think Jackson Yule's the right captain for the team, he'll continue to be the captain for the team. Unless they get new players and new leaders in the team no, who can take they that. get new leaders in the team, then, then that's a different conversation, right? Sure. And, and, and I do want to get actively to the conversation of where the Quakes go from here and what happens next season because, you know, the Quakes have been in this position before. They were here three years ago. They've been here in Decision Day in 2021. And I feel like we get caught in the loop of having the same conversation over and over again. And I don't want to just sit around and, and feel sorry for the Quakes here. I think it's very clear that they have a solid foundation from this year, really solid defense. There's a reason that they went 0-0 this time, and it was 3-3 three to three the last time they were in Sporting Kansas City in this position. It's because their defense is quite good. They need to improve that offense, and, and I, I don't want them to sit around feeling sorry for themselves. I want them to take action this offseason to take the steps that they need to be uh, to become a, a, a better team and, and to make the, the, the playoffs outright, to be a top four or five team because uh, they're going to need to take pretty bold actions to do that. And I think we should start calling for that now. I, I don't want to waste any time in, in transitioning that conversation. Phil. Yeah, I, I think, I, I think by the way, we expect a lot more from the team. But also, you know, going back to the end of last season, um, when Luchi Gonzalez first took the helm of the team, like before he actually came on as as the head, you know, as the manager of the club, he did say that his goal was to make the playoffs. And one of the other things uh, to consider is the improvements that the team made defensively. Let's not forget that last season, the Quakes like allowed more goals than any other team in MLS. And this season, there was a, like, a marked improvement, right, with with the defense. So there are definitely some positives moving forward. It might not be what fan like Quakes fans want to hear right now when they get eliminated from the playoffs. But it is a lot to think about going into the offseason. I agree with you, Alex. I think those calls need to start happening now because that's what happened at the end of last season. And if we want to see this continued incremental change, hopefully more wholesale change next season, that's what's got to happen. There has got to be the pressure there. Um, I'm hoping we can get Robert back into the conversation here as well. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about the penalties. I tend to, you know, even though Daniel did have a, uh, you know, he did as well technically as uh, Melia did in the penalty shootout. Um, I do agree with Jamin that, I mean, Melia is just such a good uh, keeper, uh, one of the better keepers at penalties in the league, probably since Nick Romando, that it's almost a conversation that's, you know, regardless of who the Quakes put out there, we knew what the outcome was going to be. So, Robert, kind of thinking about the end of the match here as well, I'm, I'm interested in your takeaways as the Quakes kind of got some momentum going, but then quickly lost it and were unable to make anything happen. Yeah, certainly kind of, you know, kind of drifting back to the first half, even when I was, you know, kind of where, you know, this oh, game. We're, we're getting Lucy game. right now. <laughs> Robert, no, sorry, Hello, Robert. everyone. Thank you for joining <laughs> us for tonight's post-game press conference with head coach Luigi Gonzalez. We will start with a question from Jamin Moore. Unmuted. Hey, Lucci. Uh, obviously not the uh, outcome that you're looking for, you know, seasons over at this point, but reflecting back on the game, you know, give us your sense first of the effort and secondly, kind of how things came down you know, in penalties, as we talked midweek, you know, Tim Mealy is a very good keeper. Your your keeper, Daniel, also made a save. Uh, could have gone either way, but they did a better job putting their their shots in dangerous spots you know, in the shootout. Uh, but just give us your read. Thanks. Muted. Yeah, thanks, Jamin. Um, look, we, we came here with a quick turnaround uh, with, with a mission, right? Like we, we didn't celebrate making the the playoffs we were really proud we reflected in the quick moment like hey we, we gave validation to all the work we put into the season on off the field um 
trying to make our fans and our and our families admire the way we act and play. And we had our ups and downs. And this look at the end of this season, the last two months, it was hard to get in the win column. But but we fought, we fought, we kept building enough points to get uh, into the playoffs. And so proud of that. But moving on quickly, like we came here on a mission. We know once playoffs started, it's a new season, and we came here with with a lot of uh motivation to keep going and earn another game at home earn the next round earn extend our training extend our schedule um look i i felt like we answered that with our actions tonight i thought our intensity was was amazing i thought our energy our togetherness our work rate uh we got good pressure on the ball they're a very good team they combine they can play out with vertical combinations they broke us a few times that that, that were dangerous, but we continue to regroup and get behind the ball and then and then build pressure together. And Look, I thought we got into the game uh, eventually, and even in the second half created some good chances. And and uh, with a few fresh legs coming in, I thought they, they did great. So, um, you know, I thought we were unlucky at the end not to, to nick a, a last pass getting into the box, uh, you know, getting getting a, a, just a different play that, that I think could have uh, changed the game. Uh, Put us in the wind calm and regulation. So proud of the guys and the staff and in our approach and our mentality going into the game. You know, but the outcome definitely will be disappointing. Um, you know, um, I want to say thank you to our fans and our community for just showing us amazing, relentless support and energy all season long, um, on and off the field, in and out of that stadium. And uh, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for, for them. I want to thank our staff. I want to thank their uh, effort and commitment to just be the best they can be um, with, with the players from the front office working their butts off to just continue to grow the club and move it full progress it forward uh, off the field and then uh, helping us on the field get support with our fan base in our stadium and 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 um, and, and i want to thank our club in that way as much as possible i want to thank our technical staff our first team support staff i want to thank uh, the players man the players have been amazing um, I just said in the locker, like not uh, all through the adversity, never pointing fingers, never making ex like I didn't feel them making excuses. I didn't feel them, you know, uh, being victims. They just kept being warriors and trying to find solutions and, and leaning on each other to get better. And I'm so proud of that because, again, our mission was to to make our fans and family admire the way we want to act and play. And I believe that is building our game model and our intensity of how we want to play in the field and perform and so look we, we had a lot of positives to grab i thought uh in pks anything could have happened it, it didn't bounce our way we didn't get the fortune uh and that happens in pks you know you saw you see it in all events uh mls world cup in europe so that's the game but look we took it down to the down to the wire um and we'll grab that as a positive now you know we're gonna be uh annoyed to watch these playoff games on tv it's gonna bother us you know it's it's too early um, I don't even know what we're going to do here in the next few weeks. We'll figure something out, but it's too early. Um, so, well, you know, as much as we'll reflect and grab the positives and the progress from the season, we also are going to we want to improve our ambition. We want to raise our own standards and raise the standards of of, uh, of where we want to be uh, in the future. And now we have a reflection uh, process to, to try to, to, to try to get there and, and, uh, and to do that. Next, we will go to Jason Mastrodonato. Hello, Jason, can you hear us? All right, while we are waiting for Jason, we will go to Alex Morgan. Hey, Lucci. Uh, 
Thanks for joining us tonight. I, I want to get a, a temp check just about some of the, you know, the emotions and thoughts that are going through your head right now. Um, you know, I imagine there's, you know, probably a mix of, of pride in the team and the steps that you guys have taken this season. Um, you know, maybe thinking about some of the changes that need to happen in the offseason to take that that next step forward. Um, you know, maybe some some regrets, I imagine, about the the way that the season ended for you guys. So I, I'm just curious about some of those um, thoughts that, that 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 you're mulling on right now. Yeah, look, it's really important in our mentality. We stay present with each moment, right? Like, I think the way, best way we could have approached this game was like, okay, we just learned through a season. Um, we're in playoffs. And, yeah, well, of course, we can have regrets and things we wanted to do better. But let's grab the positives and know what we're capable of. Look, we beat a lot of good teams this year. We, You know, we beat uh, Philly, who's a, who's a MLS contender, Seattle Sounders, right, LAFC. Um, you know, we, we beat Houston Dynamo. Um, we beat Seattle's twice, right? Home and away. And, um, you know, we, we, I thought we were unlucky not to beat Nashville, the league's cup finalists, you know? And so like, I think, I think there's good references there that say, Hey, we can compete and beat anybody at any moment right now to do it consistently over a season and to do it in a way where you're not just above the playoff line, you're, you're at home in playoffs, right? Like that's, that stings because I, we were one way, one win away, you know, from being home in this game and that that stings because um it, it was there to grab you know but it's not easy you know we we hit the post multiple times we push those games go look at those xgs go look you know like i i thought we played with the winning mentalities to push that and, and it didn't bounce away so let's get better let's get better you know we, we took positive steps we definitely will reflect on on and off the field things to keep getting better but look we, we grew a lot and i look forward with this group with this group no doubt you know, yeah, there will be adjustments in the offseason. Every every team will have adjustments. We'll see what what those are at the right moment. That's not the, the thought right now. I'm not going to even make a comment on that. But it's like uh, what an amazing foundation. And I had I have no doubt in this group, in this club, to take another step. Next, we'll go to Doug Zimmerman. Hi, um, I just wanted to um, talk about your second half substitution of uh, Kid Kyle for uh, Hoppy. Um, just kind of put your thinking uh, in that move. And also, um, you know, it also seemed key was really added a real positive uh, offensive punch in the second half. Yeah, Kate, look, Hoppy did some good things and, and drove the ball forward and worked his butt off defensively. He's He scored a few really important goals for us uh, to put us in this position, right? And so there's competition there. And both are guys that know each other from some domestic national team experiences and both young players that have bright futures. and um and have really helped us compete this season um Cade look Cade came in fantastic energy confidence it's a great game for him where you know we're, we're having to defend in mid and lower blocks here and there and to create space in, in behind and um isolations and I thought he he really uh, pushed them back and you know almost scores a great goal driving across the box almost sets up another goal um for a tap and so uh really proud of him and just a great mentality whether starting or coming into the game, knowing that he's he's dangerous, he's going to help the team, uh, and he's going to keep getting better. Next, we will try again with Jason Mastrodonato. All right, we will go to Robert Jonas. Uh, thank you, Coach. Uh, again, I think uh, you know any game that goes to penalties, there's a bit of a crapshoot there. 
albeit with Tim Mealy on the other side, not sure it's a 50-50, but uh, the guys did show well tonight. Um, I want to take us back to to the first half and, and how things did play out tonight. Um, they, uh, your team had no shots on goal in the first half. It did play very stout defensively. It did look like it was very well organized. And then things did start to change in the second half. How How much did containing Kansas City and then looking for opportunities as the game wore on kind of go into your game plan tonight and and you know were you happy with the the execution of that plan yeah look I'm I'm uh I'm proud of the execution and the intention because I, I can't we can't control the outcome and the result but we can we can work we can focus on what we can't control I thought our attitudes were excellent and we were super aggressive um and we were always willing to work to get behind the ball. Uh, you look, first half, I, I will say this, like statistically, we actually did have, I think, six or seven possessions in and around their box with the ability to cross the ball um, and uh, with numbers, and we didn't execute it, right? So we didn't we didn't reward ourselves with putting, get putting in the service. Uh, and I'm not talking about a blind cross in the corner. I'm talking about like edge of the 18 into the, like, into the box and dangerous. Like we call it a prime assist zone, like an area that, and I learned that from from uh, someone else. But at the end of the day, like it's a dangerous area that we had penetration and possession in, and we didn't get the we didn't get the cross or the shot off, and 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 so like I think there was potential there, right? But I overall liked going into halftime that defensively we were pretty solid, and and committed to what we were trying to do. And then second half, I thought we made better decisions in the attacking third. We created, we had some better combos. We had a little more patience to circulate the ball, find the weak side. And started getting our crosses off, starting to create a little more danger. And, uh, and like, you know, we, we, the XG was equal to the 70, 70th minute. And, you know, then they started to put some more balls in the box and we had to, to deal with that. But I, I again, I, I, I liked how we grew into the game. And, you know, I, I would say this, if we were in extra time, because of the way our guys, I thought our fresh legs came in and were pushing the game. Like if we went to extra time, I have no doubt. I thought we could have even won had a good effort to win it there an extra time if, if there was no PKs. Next, we'll hey, I, I'll say this. Sorry, I didn't should have said this early. Look, congrats to Kansas City, man. I know Peter really well. Uh, I admire him and the staff in a way that, you know, that they, they had to deal with adversity in the early season and then and then fight their way back in. So just congrats to them and, and Kansas City. It, it's always a, a tough battle against him. And, um, you know, when I was done with Dallas and work, getting my experiences, with um with u.s soccer and then when i was thinking about my next step with san jose he was uh, he was really there for me in, in a mentorship way like giving me advice about growing and leadership and coaching and um so so you know uh congrats to them and i wish them the best moving forward we will close with a final question from marco kolovich hey Luigi, congratulations on this season and the turnaround you guys had for this team you know, to be to be kind, I'm going to say that the refereeing was very inconsistent tonight. And, you know, it's easy for uh, players to lose their emotions or let, let them get the best of them in that situation. But your team didn't. They, they, they stayed the course. They didn't let some calls or some lack of calls, uh, you know, affect them. And is that something you were maybe telling them late in that second half to keep your cool and, and not, uh, you know, let – the refereeing dictate how you guys were going to play because it seemed like they did that all the way till the end. Yeah, I thought I thought there was some inconsistency of like 
50-50 duels, somehow their fouls called for them, and then they're not called for us. I thought there was inconsistency there. But nothing that was too drastic, to be fair. And, and yes, the mentality going into the game, even before it started, was, look, whatever is called or not, like it's about stay present, stay focused in each moment. The next moment is the most important. Stay, reconnect, re-engage, um, and, and put your energy in the next action. And, and I thought our boys did that fantastic. We, we didn't dwell on a, on a missed call or this or that or a card. So, you know, but, yeah, I thought it could have been more consistent. But look, these things happen uh, when you don't play at home and there's a home environment. They have a, a good, you know, pressure home environment. And But, look, I, I maybe a little lopsided, but nothing crazy, nothing that we couldn't handle and, and still get the job done. We'll close with a final question in Spanish um, on behalf of Telemundo. Hola, profe. Felicidades por una gran temporada. ¿Qué mensaje tienes para toda la gente de nuestros fans y para sumar de esta temporada? Sí, en inglés estaba diciendo, número uno, muy orgulloso. Muchas gracias por el apoyo de los fanáticos, ¿no? De, desde mi primer día fuera de la cancha, desde mi primer práctica, juego, adentro, fuera de la cancha, todo el año, con adversidades, con altas bajas, pero empujando siempre, tratando de progresar nosotros y competir como equipo, sintiendo eh, la afición, sintiendo el apoyo, sintiendo la intensidad, la energía en el estadio, en, en, los, en, en, en los mensajes, y gracias, gracias a ustedes, estamos acá compitiendo, en un juego de playoff por, por gran parte de ustedes. Eh, y mira, queremos seguir mejorando y creciendo. Y perdón que no vamos, avanzamos y perdón que no estamos en casa en el playoff. Y es por eso lo vamos a pelear para mejorar y, y tratar de ser el próximo año. Tenemos muy, muy buen base para, para seguir progresando y mejorando. Tenemos mucha fe en este grupo. Muy orgulloso de los chicos, de los jugadores, de los profes eh, que pusieron todo, todo el año, su sacrificio dentro fuera de la cancha. Buenísimos profesionales buen grupo, no sentí nunca que, que eran como víctimas con excusas, siempre querían mejorar, buscar soluciones como guerreros, y muy orgulloso de ellos, y gracias a ellos por, por nosotros eh, representar a ustedes adentro y fuera de la cancha. Bueno, nosotros vamos a ir, ahora, ahora tenemos que ver el playoff en la tele, va a doler mucho, no queremos eso, ni ustedes, si no estamos jugando, pero va a ser nuestro próximo momento que hay que aceptar vamos a tener reflexión para seguir eh, tratando de progresar como club y como, como equipo y, y pido que seguimos con fe, seguimos con toda la energía para, para 2024 y gracias, gracias por este año Thank you everyone We will be back with a Earthquakes player momentarily I want to thank Ben Perez for some of the translation there in the chat as well uh, Lucci remarking at the end that he is proud of the team, that, you know, their mentality, they're not having a victim mentality and that they are not making excuses for what happened there. I wanted to go over to Robert Jonas first, because I think that your question was kind of in regard, or at least he responded to your question in this regard as well, talking about how they, their approach was defensively solid, that they were committed to the game plan that Lucci had put together. And I'm curious as to what your thoughts are, Robert, in regards to Lucci's response to your question. Yeah. You know, I, I, tweeted at halftime. I thought the, the Quakes game plan was going according to plan minus the opportunities and, and Lucci saw the same game I saw. So, you know, clearly, you know, this was a team that was, you know, set up to, you know, keep, you know, Kansas City from getting clear chances 
and relying on a defense and a goalkeeper that could make the stops when, when necessary. It is a bit disappointing that the, you know, the, the, the opening 11 wasn't able to, to take advantage of those opportunities. You know, if they had that many touches around the box, then, you know, that's, <laughs> that's maybe not your best 11. Uh, and and uh, we saw much better offensive output out of the, uh, the substitutes, as well as, you know, when they started the game against Austin, also not really allowing a whole lot of opportunities to, to that team either. Um, but, you know, he went with the veterans. I uh, didn't get to kind of ask that follow-up. Uh, we, we don't get many follow-ups on these press conferences anymore. You know, but that would have been sort of the, uh, the next uh, question, you know, going back to the very starting lineup and, and some of those decisions. I think they did what he wanted them to do defensively. And I know that's going to rub some fans the wrong way that it's too conservative. But when you're playing on the road against a team that's hot like Kansas City, you know, a big win they had on decision day and a lot of momentum, seven wins in their last 10 games, um, you can't go in there and just stand toe-to-toe and hope you can score more goals. That's not been the way the Quakes have operated for a month now. They've shown they can manage games and they can manage to, uh, to keep games close. And in that sense, they did exactly that. I can't remember which, uh, Alex, it might have been your question about building for the future. I mean, that is the next uh, you know, big step, you know, sure. Okay, you can, you can play defensively, but if you can't score goals, it's going to be uh, 34 straight draws, which uh, wouldn't make the playoffs this year. So uh, that is going to be something that Lucci and his staff and, and Chris Leach are going to have to look at pretty seriously uh, as we move ahead into the, uh, the weeks and months ahead. Yeah, Lucci said that they only needed adjustments heading into next season, that they didn't need any drastic moves. And, and <laughs> pretty big I, adjustments. I disagree. I think those adjustments would need to be pretty sizable because I still think there is a sense that, sure, the earthquakes met the bare minimum expectations this season, especially in a expanded playoff field, but they didn't kind of break that ceiling, right? They had an opportunity to break that season, that, 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 that ceiling at the beginning of League's Cup, they looked like they could go and challenge and be a fourth or fifth place team. And if they'd done that, I think the fan base would be incredibly happy with where this club is at right now. But I think the fans are, are not happy with where the club's at right now. Maybe they're, they're willing to tolerate it, understanding that last season they allowed 69 goals and we're at the bottom of the MLS table. And maybe this is the most you can expect for. But I don't think anybody here is going to be singing Luchi Gonzalez's praises until he can take this team to fourth or fifth place in major league soccer. And, and that's going to require pretty, pretty big changes. And, and I, I'll say the last thing kind of retrospectively looking back that, that confuses me so much is that he keeps saying, and he said this multiple times at the end of the season as well, but he said it like three times tonight that he's proud of the team because they didn't have a, a victim mentality because they didn't put their heads down or start blaming each other. And I keep wondering what, big like malady they suffered right what what they've been victimized by because he keeps he it's putting them in a position as if something terrible happened to this team as if they you know lost all their players to injury or had something awful happen within the squad and the team the team you know was was really strong to keep together and 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 go through that together but but i don't know what that thing would have been they're certainly not the protagonists here at the end of the season drawing six out of their last eight games they were not pushing the tempo they were not actually you know going and claiming their destiny so i i don't know i don't know what they would have been victim i think i know the answer to the the question alex you know just considering what lucci has said throughout the season you know i haven't been with you guys the last few games because i've been busy you know doing other things but 
going back to some of the comments that Lucci has made throughout the season and some of the comments he made in response to Jamin's question from tonight, um, he sounds like he truly believes that the ball is not bouncing the way of the team. Um, I'm just restating what Lucci said, not agreeing or disagreeing with what he said, but restating what he said. The ball hasn't been bouncing their way. He continues to look at the positives through the difficulties that they're having. And I think that's the answer to your question, Alex. I think a lot of folks who are listening now, who've been watching the team throughout the season would agree with you. And I do too, but I don't think that Lucci sees it the same way. So either it's, it is, as some folks have said in the chat, these are just platitudes, just he's getting out there and answering the questions because he has to, or he truly believes that. And so Jamin, I was going to ask you what you thought about his response to your questions, because you've had the opportunity to continually ask him about this throughout the season. And he's giving a lot of the same answers. And you got to uh, unmute yourself there, Jamin. Yeah. Sorry. I, I mute because I think it's better for the fans to hear when the uh, press conference is going on. Um, I, I, you know, we, we know, we know that Lucci and look, people are can dislike me if they dislike Lucci, because I think to, philosophically, there's a lot of that we have agreement on. The things that we have agreement on is that probabilities in this sport matter and every edge you can get in those probabilities absolutely over a period of time does matter. That's why we've been running simulations all year long on the season outcomes and we've been doing it 10,000 times. Why? Because in a real season, you get to do it one time. So you got to do this season. But I got news for Lucci. I don't agree that the team, you know, the ball hasn't bounced the way of the team. I think they haven't made their own luck when it comes to the attacking side of the ball. Defensive side of the ball, I agree with him. And I think the signing uh, of Rodriguez, in retrospect, we, we thought it wasn't a great signing last year. Looks really good right now. Um, the signing of Danielle, a lot of fans hated that signing because they love JT, including some people on this, I won't say who, uh, uh, you know, didn't like that signing either. And guess what? That one was right. Now, you know, I didn't like Hoppy. And you know what? I'm not going to say Alex was right because Alex said he would score five goals and he scored two, but he did better than I thought, even if uh, he didn't quite live up to Alex's expectations. Jamie can't give so, me anything. You can't give I, me I anything, Jamie. I'm, I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed to. So, so no, he won't look, give you an inch. He's the heel, Alex. I, I, I think what this team did is they shored up the defense. That was always the plan. They had to overspend because of the Nathan injury. And and they weren't able to invest in the attack, what they wanted to do in the middle of the season, outside of the, the very, I think, I think shrewd moves, given the amount of cap space they had to get Akinola and Hoppy. And one of those turned out very well, the other not so much so far. So they made those defensive investments, and now the shoe has to go on the other foot. Now, unfortunately for that shoe that needs to go on the other foot and the investment in the attack, they're going to have a big decision to make on Nathan, they're going to have a big decision to make on on uh, Rodriguez, and those are not cheap decisions. You know, the decision I think on Hoppy, the decision to make on on Io is more obvious to me from a roster building perspective. They're too expensive, so I wouldn't I wouldn't go forward with either one of those. I think there's a lot of Hoppy level players in this league that you can get. That said, um, you know, they've gotten that defense taken care of, but it's going to be expensive to maintain it is my one concern. And, you know, in retrospect, right, this the sale of players that they didn't make means they have less GAM coming into this offseason because they haven't generated that from selling players. 
And it's starting, I'm starting to be concerned that they're going to have what they needed for what they wanted to do in year two, which is to go and now be able to invest in the attack, specifically in that 10 uh, or creative mid attacking midfielder, and specifically probably on that left wing. Jamie, you're, you're just talking about maintenance moves, though. That's the easy stuff. Resigning Rodriguez, easy decision. Letting Nathan go, easy. Looking at Hoppy, if the transfer fee works, easy. Letting go Akinola, easy. You know, keeping Montero, if the salary can work. I think those are all easy decisions. Come, you're not talking right about adding the anything. The left wing and the and 10, which are not going to be easy moves. The only way that they can add things is if they move Benji Kikanovich and they move Kay Cowell. And I think that we're going to look back on this season and we're going to really, really regret the fact that Chris Leach absolutely flubbed those two transfers. And, and I don't think that, 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 that anyone can, can stand up for, for those decisions now because of the season that Benji Akinovich had and because of the season that, that Cade Cowell has. You're not going to get more than two, $3 million for either of those players. If Chris Leach had been willing to step up to the plate, you know, bite the bullet and make those sales, I think the Quakes would be in the perfect place going into next season with two big sales out of the way. You have momentum. You can get new, fresh, young players to take their spot on the left wing, get a new 10 with the idea that you can then flip them again, make another two, three million. But now they're stuck. Now they're stuck because of those two decisions. And I don't know where they go from here. I, I think they might end up, if, if I were Chris Leach, I would eat the loss. I would eat the loss on Cade Cowell. I'd eat the loss on Benjamin Kanovich, and i get the moves no matter what because both of them need to go to greener pastures to succeed, and they're not going to do that under Lucci Gonzalez. We've seen a season's worth of them playing under Lucci, and they are not the right fit for his system. They can be great players in different situations in the Quakes, and, and they shouldn't hold on to that, that, that false hope that maybe they'll do something next year. If the Quakes are serious, I think they need to find moves for those players because that'll be better for the club and better for the players, and then reinvest that in some real difference makers up top who are going to actually give this team goals. And, and, and I think that's the only way that the Quakes can kind of get out of this cycle of mediocrity. I, I don't see any way for the Quakes to improve unless they're willing to actually make those big changes and big additions to the offense. And I don't see any other way you get there, James. So the big, the I, big I certainly agree with you in terms of the, the form of really one central player, to be quite mm -hmm. honest. The big change Look, that this team needs is that one central player. It, the, there's everything everything Chris else is in Chris Leach has made the the he's he's made the moves though i mean he i i think in the particular situation of Cade Cal particular situation of Benji Kakanovich completely agree with you Alex but i think from the very beginning of the season when there was the injury to Nathan i think the front office has shown that they are willing to make those moves to improve the team um you happen to have a great point though like the offensively it shows on the stat line right it shows that this has been the biggest issue with the team i wouldn't go so far to say is that like they're they're blowing it all together. I think that there are mistakes that were made. There were some really great players that were brought in. Mensa, you know that that was kind of like up in the air. We saw a couple of really great games from him at the end of the season, but we did have Rodriguez and we did have Tanner Beeson shoring up the back line, especially with Daniel there, which was another signing that you had already brought up as well. Um, Robert Jonas wanted to bring you back into the conversation as well, talking about ways to improve the team. Um, we've heard from Alex and Jamin already, you know, whether this is this needs to be more like wholesale moves that need to be made or just like minor tweaks in maintenance. 
and ultimately whether or not you agree with Lucci that it is sort of sticking with the guys who he has and then perhaps moving from there and making those slight adjustments. I would be surprised if there's big changes. And you know, I and I agree with the comments. Uh, we had very big discussions in the summer about uh, this. Uh, uh-oh, we're, we're interrupting Robert to go uh, to a player. Again, this is Hello, good. everyone. Thank you for your time. Robert first. Jack Skayen. In the interest of time, we are only going to be taking a couple questions, but we will start with Jamin Moore. Unmuted. Hey, Jack, good to talk to you again. Obviously a disappointing result tonight, um, but I thought you came on and brought some good energy in the game. Uh, and plus, you know, you're the first player in the last two playoffs to get one past Melia, like we talked about midweek. So talk about kind of a little bit about what you were asked to do when you got on the pitch tonight. And then when you had the opportunity to take the penalty kick, kind of what was running through your head at that point and, and what you wanted to do and did you execute it? Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I was just, told to muted you know try to create attacks and be physical and um defensively do my job but when we have it you know try to create a goal and be physical with the center backs and um i thought that's what i did i might have gone over the top of that tackle but um he's the one who sprained my ankle so i was kind of mad and then uh yeah the penalty I, honestly i just focused on the ball um it was loud and you know with the penalty i, I feel like if you can focus on the ball and and use the technique that you want to use. And he went the right way. And if you hit it hard enough, it's probably going in. Um, and unfortunately, it went in. He's a good keeper on PKs for sure. Next, we'll go to Doug Zimmerman. Oh, pass. No worries. We'll go to Fabian Rankel. All right, we will go to Robert Jonas. I will definitely take the opportunity to ask a question. Uh, thanks for the insight on the yellow card. Obviously, well uh, well earned in that case, uh, getting that tonight. Um, I want to kind of go to that penalty kick shootout because a lot of times when you're kind of watching from the stands or watching from TV, you know, you don't really you know, get to be a part of the conversation as to you know what you as players are talking to each other about, what the coaches are talking about. What was some of the strategy? What was some of the talk going into that kick in terms of who was going to take kicks, who's willing to step forward, and and even you know speaking to the order of kicks tonight? Um there's really not a ton of time going into that um you know we're told the order and and the order is you know predicated on the coaching staff probably the conversations they had all week you know we practiced them um we felt great because we have daniel um and you know pk shootouts it's kind of a crapshoot like it's tough the conversation is you know be confident go up there with confidence try to bury it um bring energy, a lot of like bring energy. And I think we did that. It was just the only shootouts are a tough way to end the game. Thank you, everyone. That concludes tonight's post-game press conference. Pretty short. Uh press conference there uh, with Kane, considering the two passes that we had. Um, oh, oh man, <laughs> Robert, you know, really you know, Robert, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta talk about it. The best part of the yeah. best part of the entire <laughs> show, everything Straight to Robert Jack Skane go do, going revenge tackle for the <laughs> high ankle sprain <laughs> and taking a yellow for it. Come on. 
Come on, Robert. Let's talk. I mean, that, that makes that makes it for me. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm glad we got a chance to uh, get that incredible player insight. That's actually what you get when you go to the locker room and talk to guys. So I'm surprised we got a, a press conference uh, confession like that. Um, I'm glad he spoke a little bit to the penalties, um, although I know that, uh, you know, it's hard to, to really dissect what goes into the planning. But, you know, you know, knowing that it wasn't a case of players demanding the ball, that if the coaches are putting them forward in a, in a prescribed lineup and a prescribed setup, who's going to kick when, then I think, you know, that then puts it back on players. And only if a player is willing to say, I can't do this, would you expect any changes? So, you know, knowing that and knowing that, you know, especially with Jackson and, and his, his miss of, I'm sure, you know, that's going to haunt him for quite a while, you know, that, that, you know, everyone did what they, they could do a player wise did what they could do to be ready. You know, it would have been interesting to talk to Lucci a bit more about that as well. Jamin, based on your point about who could have been available for penalties based on the substitution patterns tonight. But, uh, you know, perhaps that actually speaks to the idea that this wasn't necessarily his top five choice overall in the roster, but his top five choice for the 11 guys that he expected to be on the field at the end of the game. But there, there are three guys who I can confidently say, maybe four, four guys who I can confidently say, maybe more than this. Okay. There, there are a few guys who I can confidently say had excellent seasons. Jack Skane is one of them. And, and Jack Skane has been a class act throughout the season. And he's, he's one of the few guys who's been willing to push the tempo up top to create chances uh, and to, to be the protagonist. Christian Espinosa has been that person consistently Rodriguez in the back line has been that person. Daniel's been that person. In the midfield, there hasn't been a, a ton of players who can who can do that. Jackson Newell didn't do that this season. Sure, he played solidly. Jameer Montero played solidly. Carlos Grezzo played solidly. In the midfield, Jack Skane was the one guy who stepped up and actually was willing to take the game by the scruff of the neck and 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 score goals and create chances. And he did that tonight when he came on. When he came on, he was getting into pockets of space, having good layoffs, then sprinting in behind, creating chances, uh, putting in chances. So, so, so I, you know, the midfield I think is, is going to be a key area over the off season that they need to, to reinforce. I still think they need another 10 in that mold, but I'm glad that Jack Skane is there as an option. And, and I would love to see what he could do alongside guys who are equally, you know, energetic and dynamic and hungry as he is. I wanted to kind of reframe that really quickly, Alex, if you don't mind. I think if you consider which players on the team whose stock has risen this season, I think Jack Skane is the one that really stands out to me. And you mentioned Christian Espinoza as well, despite the fact that he was already one of the top players on the team, continues to show why, you know, there was even a point in the season where he was in the, the MVP uh, conversation, where he was in the golden boot race at one point. And so, yes, I think it is lesser. Yes, there were players who who did have good seasons and you mentioned a couple of them, but if we're thinking about play, you know, if we're going back to some of this conversation about players value, I think Jack Skane definitely stands out as somebody whose value has risen and he brings something to this team that the other midfielders, especially central midfielders don't necessarily bring. And it is a spark. It is this fire, this energy that he has to invigorate the team when they can't quite find it. So, um, Jamin, I wanted to go back over to you here. It looked like you wanted to, to jump in on the conversation as well in this regard. So uh, maybe we have like time to go around the table once more, and then we'll we'll bring it over to our final thoughts as we uh, finish up in this last post-game breakdown of the season. 
You don't have to make it sound so sad like that. I think we should plan to have a season-ending show. Absolutely. I think we've done it for the last few years, and I want to give that to the fans, particularly our patrons absolutely deserve you know that. And we do need to have a Zoom call for our patrons, by the way. So I want to try to get mm -hmm. that done as well. Let them ask some questions. Um, you know, I, I think like there's some interesting things. You know, we, we've been pushing about talking about, hey, you know, wouldn't bring back probably Jamiro Montero, particularly not the DP position, and that that's a position that needs to be upgraded. But also we have to consider that we've got two players that maybe should be challenging that position in, in Nico and Jack, both of which I thought have stepped up and gotten better as the season went on. And unfortunately, Jack, I admit, people might go like, well, is a Jack injury prone at this point? Well, he mentioned to us on Wednesday that these are the first injuries he's gotten, you know, since like one of his first years at North Carolina. He's, he's not been injury prone. Um, and unfortunately, you know, it, he got his second injury was because he got taken down by a player that he retaliated on tonight, which is kind of kind of funny and cool. Um, so, you know, the question I think that that's in front of us is how do you improve this central midfield for next season and get much more out of it and get much better service, much better, you know, everything out of it? I, I think, honestly, you have to, like, get really courageous. Can you move a Jackson Yule as a possibility and give that spot to a Nico? Can you not sign a, a, a Montero back and maybe consider Skane or, or a big signing there and Skane can compete for the other two spots. But I think there are other options that are more bold that we don't talk about, but that this team probably has to consider in order to remake it. And I think there's a really good, good question. Let me see if I can find it real quick because I, I thought it was worth trying to answer. I appreciate it when the fans do bring some good uh, uh, questions to the show. And I want to try to answer as many of them as possible. Um, there was a comment earlier about whether we felt that the uh, the lack of offense this year was a Lucci system issue or a player issue um, and whether or not this was a problem at FC Dallas. Well, the thing with, with his time at FC Dallas is Lucci didn't play with the defensive structure that he had today. He was a little bit more freewheeling on the defensive structure. So it's a little bit of apples and oranges. There's been a lot of complaints about you know, that this is like a Burhalter system. It, it, and it absolutely is. There was a Burhalter illusion in that press conference, if you didn't catch that. There's a lot of Burhalter illusions, a lot of language that matches Burhalter language. But I think Lucci was like that already. I don't think like he learned how to talk from Burhalter. I think he already talked like that at, in FC Dallas. He's already been a very, he's always been a very button up, uh, you know, uh, guy when it comes to press conferences and, and his conversations. Um, so uh, the thing that, you know, I, I think he's learning. He has to figure out is how does he get more juice out of this attack? And yes, you're going to hope that Chris Leach makes some big signings, but if he doesn't, what needs to change in order to renovate this attack? We saw some good things with a three-five-two this season. I'm going to call it more of a three-six-one. I don't think they really committed to the two up top, um, but we saw some good stuff tonight. Jack Skane came in, played some st striker, false nine. You know, interesting, you know, some good stuff. Like, are there other shakeups that can be done that you would actually run out there as your regular starting lineup or, you know, more often, you know, majority type, type of games? I think those are some things that really Lucci needs to take the time to think about is how does he bring something different to the attack last next year while not losing the structure that he put in this year that 
help the Quakes be much better defensively. And that's the real trick. And maybe there will be a big signing and maybe there won't. Chris Leach has done a good job always, you know, surprising us with the signing side of things. So, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But I think you also have players in the team like Jack, like Nico, who it's time for, you know, them to get showcased. It's time for when they've been on, they've been good. Keep running them out there. Give them more starts. You know, if you're going to bring back a Hoppy, fine. Give him more starts. I like putting Hoppy out there tonight. I really like Kate off the bench. And Alex and I have been asking to bring Kate off the bench. And guess what? Kate plays great off the bench, right? Should have put a ball in the back of the net probably. But he, but generally speaking, he played great. These are the things that I think they really have to think about, you know, coming into next year. And I want to dive into these types of topics in the uh, in the postseason show and really kind of get into some of this. Jimmy, and, and we can talk. We can talk through the roster and, and the things that need to be done and the changes that need to be made and look at Colin's spreadsheet. And by the way, Colin needs to be here for that because, you know, he's the keeper of the spreadsheet and has the best ideas in terms of the roster. So I want Jamie, to hear from him. Jamie, before, one last thing I want to get to on, on that note here. Is that, a, is that, you think that's a, a, a Lucci Gonzalez concern or a Chris Leach concern? Because Chris Leach the, is heading into his third season as a general manager. And I think, if he can't continue to make progress and get a roster together that is capable of making the playoffs, I think he's in serious hot water here because I mean, look, he he's had, you know, already two, and this is going to be his third transfer window to get, you know, Luchi Gonzalez, the roster that he needs to succeed. I think a lot is riding on this off season for Chris Leach. Now Luchi Gonzalez has a year under his belt he knows exactly what he wants and what this team needs to succeed. It's pretty obvious for all of us to see. And I think pressure's on, on Chris Leach to do that. I, I don't know if that's a Lucci concern. I think Chris Leach needs to give him the players to succeed. Someone's asking what the stadium model is. My family got me for Christmas Manchester United. I'm not a Manchester United fan, so just FYI. But it is Man Manchester United Stadium. I feel like it could be bad luck right now, Damon. Knock it, knock it <laughs> Yeah, that's the reason. That, I mean, my family got me Manchester United. I'm not a, here. I'm not a Manchester United fan. It's an avocado. Thanks. It's, a, it's <laughs> yeah. the same energy, Jamin. Uh, um, I did want to. Nice sight lines there. So. <laughs> um, Robert, I, 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 I think we're at about the hour mark here on the show, and it's probably about time for us to get into the final thoughts because we have a lot of this conversation will carry on into our end of the season episode, which we will bring to you. So I wanted to go ahead and, and transition over into the final thoughts segment. And Robert, I wanted to bring it back over to you, your final thoughts after this match. And as we head into that end of the season show. Yeah. You know, it's a, uh, I, I, I love all the talk about roster moves and all that because, you know, it, that's the fun part. We're in the hot stove heater part of the, uh, the season now that the final whistle has been blown on the quake season. And I, I'm going to enjoy it. There's going to be a lot to speak about. Um, I will not be surprised if Major League Soccer adjusts its uh, roster regulations in the offseason. Uh, I think bringing Messi into the league is is going to put pressure on on teams to to kind of maybe add another DP slots and, and some of the other mechanisms that, again, aggressive owners are going to be able to take advantage of. And I think we're going to be talking about whether or not the earthquakes are going to be one of those teams that takes advantage of it. Having said all that, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that, you know, the progress the Quakes have made, while minimal, and as Alex says, was the minimal expectation, I think is a really good way to go into this offseason, that you can judge, you know, a lot of the progress uh, in, in season two by, you know, what, you know, they were able to maintain here in season one. 
uh, the spine of the team is better than it's been in, in quite a while. You know, when you have Daniel back there, when you put Carlos Grasso in there, um, having Rodriguez play a full season, you know, matching him up if they're willing to pay his salary to keep him in Major League Soccer, matching him up with another high quality center back is going to be absolutely key. And at that point, you build, you build from it. And uh, I've I'm not going to uh, you know, get overly confident that this team is going to go from ninth to first or, or even ninth to fourth next year, but they should be a ninth to sixth, a ninth to fifth. You know, they should be able to be a comfortable enough team throughout a season. And that's going to be the expectations that we should have on Lucci Gonzalez and that Lucci is going to put, put on himself. Um, I would have loved to have seen the, the Quakes overturn the Tim Melia, you know, kind of uh, narrative tonight. Didn't happen. And uh, unfortunately, you know, I, I, well, maybe fortunately, I have a lot more free time on my calendar over the next couple of weeks as, as like he and the team. I'm not sure how much additional playoff soccer I'll be watching for a small period here. But I will think back on some of the positives of the season with respect to what they did improve on and then look to see that they can make those improvements moving forward. All right, why don't we go over to Jamin Moore to, to get your final thoughts here. Jamin? Yeah, final thoughts are, um, you know, checkbox met, I guess, in terms of Lucci's initial promise of make the playoffs first year. And, you know, of course, you can throw a dart at the fact that it's a play-in game and uh, that uh, maybe they should have done better, gotten a win at home on the last game of the season so that this game could have been played at home tonight. But when it comes down to PKs, if you can't get a goal in the back of the net, you're going to get a similar result. And again, I think that's on more of the Quakes players than any more of the goalkeepers. Um, so it's, you know, it's disappointing to go out this way. It's disappointing to kind of have to deal with the Sporting Kansas City, Melia narrative, you know, yet again. And, uh, you know, I think hearing that over and over again will just, you know, wear me down, I guess. But um, I do think that now in year two, what I like is that there's an opportunity to set higher expectations. Fans have higher expectations. We have higher expectations. Lucci says he has higher expectations. The organization tells me they have higher expectations. Well, guys, it's year two. You've got the coach you want. You've got the, you know, the GM. You've got everything in place that you've wanted to have. It's all there. And now it's time to reach for something else. Next year, this team should be reaching for a home playoff spot. They should be finishing top four in the Western Conference. And hopefully they get set up in the offseason to be able to do that. If they don't, I think that will be a huge disappointment. That's the type of progress that the fans deserve. It's the type of progress that all of us who have covered this team for a long time you know, have been asking to see. And I'm willing to give a coach year one, just like I gave Almeida year one, um, but I want to see what you can do in year two. And so, you know, now that uh, now I think the it does turn up the pressure a bit and it should on Lucci uh, making the playoffs was a low bar. But, you know, but it was met. And now it's like, let's set a higher bar and let's see if you can meet it. And that's where I'm at right now. OK, Alex, what do you think? Look, if the Quakes are going to make a big, you know, bold step forward next season, that doesn't come out of nowhere. They, they get there by making big, tough decisions in the offseason by willing, be, being willing to let go of guys like Jackson Ewell, like Cade Cowell, like Benji Ikanovich that have been with this club a long time, but who are holding this, could be holding this roster back right now. If, if the Quakes need to move pieces to get the number 10 they want to get the left winger that they want, they should do that. You don't get to fourth place in MLS by acting tepid. And I think they've been a little tepid 
over the last year with the way that they've handled the transfer market. Now is if it, now is the time to make bold decisions. If they, if they want to bet on this team, they, they need to you know back it up with with strong action here. And, and that's what the fans deserve. Right. I, I was amazed with the atmosphere at that Austin FC game on decision day and, and thinking the Quakes can sell out that stadium. It's a beautiful stadium and they can pack it and make it a wonderful atmosphere if this team does well, if they give the fans something to cheer for. And I don't like comparing it to other teams, but you look at, you know, look at the, the, the New York Red Bulls uh, versus Cincinnati game. And, and, and that atmosphere at, at New York Red Bulls was not great. And I'm thinking, hang on, if that game is in the, the PayPal park in the San Jose uh, with the San Jose earthquakes, that is going to be a raucous atmosphere. The fans have been dying for a home playoff game for a long time. That's the minimum that they deserve at this point, and, and that's what they should expect. And that you know everybody in the front office, the technical staff, needs to needs to step up to that challenge. They they need to be willing to make it happen. I would rather them make bold, decisive moves that don't work than continue to make tepid inter- incremental process that ultimately doesn't you know break that 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 barrier and get them to the next level. Yeah, I really appreciate that comment, Alex. Um, you know, from my perspective, though, I'm also fearful of what that means if the team does make those big drastic moves. Um, it's, you know, a big reward, but it's also a very big risk as well. And I think where I sit, I'm not exactly happy with the results and where where the team is. I am glad that they made the playoffs this season. Don't know that I fully agree with Lucci and his approach and his view at the end of the season in terms of like how the team performed overall. But, you know, if the team does end up swinging for the fences, who knows where that could end up? We can be back in the same place where the team was, you know, three, four years ago when they brought in Matias Almeida, right? That was supposed to be the big overhaul that the team needed. And so I don't really feel that an overhaul is necessary. Um, if you can find that that medium between making the really big moves and keeping some of the core that you have, I think there's a lot of good things going for this team. I think they looked really great defensively um, during the season, especially considering the gaps that they had to fill, right? Guys really stepped up and we saw some really great things from one, the goalkeeper, Daniel, who I think, you know, I know that you had talked about possibly Daniel being sold to a bigger club in Europe, but I think this is somebody that the team needs to hold on to, you know, and I think that keeping the core defensively is going to be something really important for this team. Um, Maybe they go for a big name signing offensively or somewhere in the central midfield, but so long as that doesn't affect the integrity of the team and the good the good things, the positives that Lucci continues to talk about week in and week out in these press conferences, I think that's going to be really important. So I wanted to guide folks over towards our uh, social media and our website before we leave tonight. Uh, make sure you check out our Patreon at Quakes, uh, www.quakesepicenter.com forward slash Patreon. There it is at the bottom of the screen. Um, for just a couple dollars a month, you can get early access uh, to our content. You can get exclusive access to a lot of the content that we provide through our media uh, team. So make sure you check that out. $5 a month will also get you access to the Slack where you can chat with us during the match. Um, you know, a lot of our, our folks who follow our organization, uh, Quakes Epicenter, as well as the San Jose Earthquakes are often on there throughout the week, not just during the matches. So there's a lot of great conversations that are happening about the team. So be sure to check that out. Check out our website at quakesepicenter.com and our social media. Um, we are still on 
Twitter uh, or X, formerly Twitter. We are on uh, Instagram as well. You can find us there. And check out the content on YouTube that, that Jamin has been uh, putting out there for all of you. There was some really great interviews recently uh, with Danger. I, you know, we caught that one. We had the most recent one that just came out. Um, Jamin, I don't know if you wanted to elaborate Ali, on that yeah, a little Ali, bit. Kind of like Ali Trost yeah. Martin, the radio Ali voice for Sporting Kansas City. And one of the things we talked about for those of you who are getting ready for Bay FC and NWSL, uh, she has done some work with the Kansas City Currents. We did a little bit of NWSL talk. We talked about her career. She, like Danielle Slayton, like Kate Scott, started as a sideline reporter and is now working her way up. She's also part of the uh, Galazzo Network and CBS Sports. So it's a really interesting conversation. She's a wonderful person. You know, just because the game is over doesn't mean it's not worth going back and, and checking out. I do want to mention one, one thing for everybody. I, I know it's tempting to say like, hey, the season's over. I'm going to stop my Patreon. I'll come back next year. But this is the time that we actually need to start building up the base because we want to get ready for next year and begin to plan our travel. And this is the time also when articles start to come. If there's a signing, we're going to have shows. Uh, we're going to you know have more conversations with the fans through our Zoom calls and everything. So just because the season's over, please continue to support the Patreon if you're a patron. And of course, if you can't afford it, we understand that. But ideally, you know, we'd love to just uh, keep you through the off season and uh, help us build up our travel budget so we can travel even more. Because when this team is much better and they are going to be going for that home playoff spot, we're going to want the funds to be able to bring you some great coverage. And and I want to thank all of our, our wonderful patron and the whole community of, of mm -hmm. folks that have been tuning in to this show uh, throughout the season who have been reading all of the wonderful articles by the the crew and 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 everyone in the patron slack right because uh you know you guys are the 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 core of this community and and you know i i you know whatever the end result i've had a lot of fun this season uh being here i want to thank you know this whole crew you phil jamie and robert for for making this season uh happen as well it's it's been you know another pleasure and and i'll say that you know, as as fun as it is to you know chat on the patron Slack with you guys and and chat here afterwards, um, you know, it, I, I value the the patron Slack and in this community just as much during the off season to keep me up to date on everything that's happening because it's easy to to miss things in the off season, but it, trust me, the patron Slack will stay active. Every little rumor you hear it in the patron Slack first. Uh, and, uh, that's, that's the only way that I can possibly keep everything together during the off season. I, I think it's, I think it's just as important for me in the off season. Thank you for yeah, that. Again, if you have questions about the Patreon, uh, just to be clear, we put it into the show notes so you can see it there. For some reason, the link doesn't work. Just go to, uh, quakesupcenter.com slash Patreon. Make sure you add the E. A lot of people just put in patron, but it's actually P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Uh, or you can go to Patreon and find Quake's Epicenter in Patreon's website as well. So it goes either way. Great. I wanted to extend a quick thanks uh, to all of you once again. Um, and, you know, to Colin, uh, Asher, everybody who's contributed throughout the season, to my wife, Sarah, who's been doing the photography. And very special thanks to all the folks who've been helping us out over um, within the organization, especially uh, Pedro and Ryan, as they did a lot of hard work to ensure that we continued to get access uh, so that we can bring you the best content through Quake's Epicenter. So big thanks to everybody who has uh, done us those favors. And I hope that we have been able to bring you the content 
in a way that uh, will continue that that relationship. So uh, make sure those of you who are, who are with us right now on YouTube to like, subscribe to the channel, turn on those notifications. We will be back with you soon uh, with a postseason breakdown, and we hope that you will join us there during that time. So until then, uh, we're all signing off. Have a wonderful evening. Thanks, everyone.